man named Lazarus, who lived in Bethany, became sick. Bethany was the town where Mary and her sister Martha lived. This Mary was the one who poured the perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. The sisters sent Jesus the message. Lord, your dear friend is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, the final result of this sickness will not be the death of Lazarus. This has happened in order to bring glory to God, and it will be the means by which the Son of God will receive glory. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he received the news that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Teacher, just a short time ago, the people there wanted to stone you. And are you planning to go back? A day has 12 hours, doesn't it? So those who walk in broad daylight do not stumble, for they see the light of this world. But if they walk during the night, they stumble because they have no light. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I will go and wake him up. If he is asleep, Lord, he will get well. Jesus meant that Lazarus had died, but they thought he meant natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. But for your sake, I am glad that I was not with him, so that you will believe. Let us go to him. Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us all go along with the teacher, so that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been buried four days before. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Judeans had come to see Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother's death. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. If you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask him for. Your brother will rise to life. I know that he will rise to life on the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live, even though they die. And those who live and believe in me will never die. Do you believe this? I do believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After Martha said this, she went back and called her sister Mary privately. The teacher is here and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and hurried out to meet him. 
Jesus had not yet arrived in the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The people who were in the house with Mary, comforting her, followed her when they saw her get up and hurry out. They thought that she was going to the grave to weep there. Mary arrived where Jesus was, and as soon as she saw him, she fell at his feet. saw her weeping, and he saw how the people with her were weeping also. His heart was touched, and he was deeply moved. you buried him. Come and see, Lord. Jesus wept. See how much he loved him, the people said. But some of them said, he gave sight to the blind man, didn't he? Could he not have kept Lazarus from dying? Deeply moved once more, Jesus went to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone placed at the entrance. Take the stone away. There will be a bad smell, Lord. He has been buried four days. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? Jesus looked up. I thank you, Father, that you listen to me. I know that you always listen to me. But I say this for the sake of the people here, so that they will believe that you sent me. After he had said this, he called out in a loud voice,
untie him and let him go. Many of the people who had come to visit Mary saw what Jesus did, and they believed in him. So this morning, we're going to be talking about Lazarus, and everybody understands and knows and has heard sermons on Lazarus and, and what's going on with him and how Jesus raises him from the dead. A lot of people have wondered and talked about how it is and why it is that Jesus, who's just a short journey away, absolutely and positively knows that Lazarus is sick and waits and waits until he dies before he decides to journey to Lazarus's home. And when he gets word that Lazarus has fallen asleep, and what that means is that Lazarus is dead, at that point, then Jesus says to the disciples, come on, pack it up, let's go, we're going to head over to Lazarus's house because he's fallen asleep. Now, as I've mentioned before in other sermons, sometimes the disciples don't quite get what all is going on. So when they say, well, if he's just asleep, he'll, he'll wake up. So Jesus has to clearly state to them, Lazarus is dead. So they get together and they head out. When they get there, they find themselves in the traditional surroundings that people will be in at a funeral or when there's a loss of a loved one. They have Lazarus, who's in the tomb, minding his own business. We've got Mary and Martha and their friends and family that are gathered around in their mourning. Now into this scene walks Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he's there to talk to and to minister to that family. And there are people in the crowd who are wondering, why now? Why now? Why didn't you come earlier? Their plan for God, their plan for Jesus was, had you been here sooner, had you been here sooner, Lazarus might still be alive today. And in fact, the, the family states to him, Lord, had you been here, my brother would still be alive. Now, what happens is that in spite of those things, there are other people that are like, hey, nice of him to show up. But Jesus came at the time that he did for the purpose that he came for. He knew when he started on this journey where it would end. He knew that Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead. He knew this. He understood this. And in this story, we get a brief piece, a brief pause, where we stop and we look at Jesus Christ, the man. We understand that he knows that Jesus Christ is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but we see that when Jesus looks at the sorrow of his friends, and he looks at the, the agony that they're going through, we find the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. It's astonishing to me. Jesus feels their pain. He feels their heartache. He feels the hurt. And he knows that he's moments from raising Lazarus from the dead. He's moments from them seeing an incredible miracle. He's mere moments from them seeing God's glory in a way that they never imagined could happen. And he sees them there in their grief. And their grief causes him that gives us an insight into Jesus Christ, the man, the human, the person that understands us when we are hurting, when we are in sorrow, when things are going wrong in our lives. Jesus understands because he's been there. 
He's experienced it. And even though he knows the plans he has for us is great and so much better, Jesus knows where we're at today. So, here we are. Jesus has done this. He is in getting ready to perform this miracle. He's going to head over to the tomb. He says, come on, let's go. Show me where he's buried. People walk with him. They think that this is going to be just him going to the tomb and like we would today where you might go lay flowers or something like that. Um, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And they get there. And Jesus, who does things his own way, says, roll away the stone. Now, in that climate, pretty hot, and they didn't embalm bodies, they didn't do anything like that. So what we find is that Jesus, when he says, roll away the stone, after four days in the tomb, it's going to be a little stink. And they say, no, Lord, don't do that because it's going to be a bad smell. Jesus says, roll away the stone. So as Jesus does that, I'm sure that there's a wide variety of thoughts in the crowd. You have the sisters who are concerned about the smell and, and the embarrassment factor. You have other people in the crowd that are probably thinking something like, he's lost it. This guy's off his rocker. Why would you roll away the stone? He's been there for four days. Decay has started. His body has started to come apart. And Jesus wants to roll away the stone? Now, I don't know about you, but as you watched the video this morning, you saw the two guys that got up there and they're going to roll away the stone. I don't want that job. Because I don't want that job. I'm thinking as I walk to that stone, I'm thinking like those guys probably were, I should have stayed home. I should have started working on the honeydew list. And then I wouldn't be stuck here moving this stone because the smell that's going to come out is going to be pretty offensive. But they do it. They move the stone. And Jesus stops. And he prays. Now, at this point, people still don't understand what is going on. They still don't understand what he's doing. Mary and Martha are there. Lazarus' sisters. They see Jesus is doing something, but they have no idea because they had already decided. They had already decided what God could have done, what God should have done, and what God didn't do. They didn't see the miracle that was unfolding in their midst because God's plans, right there in the middle, God's plans were so much bigger, so much brighter, so much more impressive than what they could have imagined. God had a plan that was astronomically beyond anything they could comprehend. So Jesus stops and he prays and he says, Lord, I know that you'll give me what I ask. He stands up and he says, Lazarus, come out of there. Now, I would hope that there was some kind of a theatrical pause so that people could have the wide-ranging of doubts, the wide-ranging of fears, the, the questions of what's he doing? Has he lost it? Is he totally nuts? And then it happens. Lazarus starts coming from the tomb, and he's still wrapped up. He's still like he was. He's got the covering over his face. His hands are wrapped, and here he comes. Jesus says, 
cut him loose, untie him, free him. I, I think about that and I think about being there. What would it be like to be standing in the crowd and to see this miracle take place? Because these people had seen Jesus. They'd walked with him. They'd watched him perform miracles. And here he is. He's calling Lazarus out. It's huge. They had already decided what God could have done, what God should have done, and what God didn't do. What does that mean for us? I think it's pretty simple that we find ourselves in those same exact circumstances. It doesn't matter if it's a situation at work. It doesn't matter if it's a situation at home. It doesn't matter if it's an internal struggle that you're having. You have already decided what God could do, what he should have done, and what he didn't do. Lord, this pain, is this agony, this, this trouble that I'm in, you could have prevented this. You could have stopped this from happening. You could have kept this from getting crazy. If we look at our situation in the world today, it's easy for Christians to say, Lord, you could have contained this virus. Lord, you could have kept people from spreading it. You could have done this. You should have done this. And yet you didn't. And here we are this morning. We are watching online church. We have already decided that somewhere, Somehow, God dropped the ball. He didn't consult with me. He didn't check with me to see what my plan was about this virus. He didn't check with me to see what my plan was about how this was going to impact my life and my family. And everyone here this morning has those same things going on. What I want to remind you is that as in the story today with the raising of Lazarus, we know that God had something in store that was bigger than they could imagine because they had seen him heal. They had seen him make people walk and see that couldn't walk and couldn't see, but they couldn't take the next jump, the next step, which was raising someone from the dead because that is off the table. There's no way that that can happen. Because it's never been done before. And Jesus comes into that circumstance. He says, Lazarus, come out of there. Today, in your setting, in your circumstances, in your scenario, same for the world, we have already, in many cases, written off God. Where's he at? What's he doing? He's not here. We don't see him. Look for God in the middle these circumstances. God is here. He is doing something. Do I know what it is? Not 100%. I see bits and pieces of God moving. I see people that are turning to him that didn't before. I see people who have been too busy for God having their schedules cleared. I see God doing something in people's lives. I see God taking families and making them spend time together. So I see bits and pieces of good that's coming out of this scenario. But what I want to ask you is what's God, what is God doing in your life? What is Jesus doing in your life 
that is beyond your imagination, that is something that you can't comprehend, that you can't even begin to understand that God is at work and he's got a plan that is so big. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He himself rose from the dead. And today he is at work doing things that boggle our mind, that blow our mind, because God's plan, God's plan is something that we can't imagine. Unfortunately, many people in our world today won't acknowledge it and won't recognize it because they're not paying attention. They're too busy focused on what's bothering them, what their pain is, what their suffering is, what's going on, and they don't see, they don't recognize, they don't listen and look for God in the middle. And I want to remind you that no matter what it is, God's not out there. He's not over there. He's not sitting on the steps waiting. He's there in the midst, right in the middle, and he is about to do something incredible. Have you planned for that? Maybe, maybe not. Are you looking forward to that? Maybe, maybe not. But I will tell you one thing. If you take your attention and you turn it to Jesus Christ, you're going to see something that is going to blow you away. I believe that God is going to use today's circumstances like he does in everyone's life like he has done through the, all of history to do something that can't be done, that hasn't been done, that people can't comprehend. Lazarus, come out of there. God did that, and it changed those people's lives. If they had not paid attention, if they had not kept their eyes on God, they would have missed, they would have missed the miracle right there in their midst. My hope and prayer for you this morning is that you will take all of this stuff and push it away. Take it out of the way. That you will focus on your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because he's got so much more for you than you can imagine. He's got so much more planned we can't, we can't allow ourselves to be distracted by the world's problems, by our political problems, by the financial realities, by the toilet paper shortage. We can't allow ourselves to be distracted by those things and get so focused on that that we miss what Jesus is doing right in the midst of all of this. It could be that you're out there somewhere and you're listening to this, you're watching this, and you have no idea who Jesus is. You know theoretically that he was a historical figure, that he lived and that he died, and, and that's about it. There's people that think he rose from the dead, but you don't get it. I'm here to tell you this morning that you can know Jesus Christ. You may say, oh, I, don't, I don't get it. Tell you what, here's what I want you to do. If you're watching this, if you're, if you're questioning this, reach out to me, reach out to Dean, reach out to Dwight, call the church, 507-373-2035, and 
ask to speak to one of us, and we would be more than happy to explain to you who Jesus is and how he can transform your life, how he can give you peace in a time of turmoil. It would be phenomenal to have you join the family of God. What I want is I want you to feel, in spite of this, in spite of all of this stuff that's going on, my hope is that each person that is here this morning would feel the peace of God, the grace of God, the love of God that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ flow through them. Lord, fill us with your spirit in such a way that not only do we feel that, not only does it fill us, but that it flows out of us onto the people we come in contact with. Help us to spread your love. Help us to spread your grace and your peace. That's my hope and prayer for each one of you today, is that God can use you in the midst of all of this, because your eyes are firmly fixed on him. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen.